0: Look, nobody wants to be the one constantly saying I told you so. It's it's not cool to brag, so I almost never do so. But every once in a while, it's important to tell others how great you are. So let me take a quick minute and celebrate one of our many accurate predictions. The place Beach Resort in West Florence, Italy. Yes, an exclusive getaway owned by renowned singer Andrea Bocelli. The time this weekend while normal americans were filling their cars for the holiday weekend with 5 dollars a gallon in gas uh, the criminal nancy pelosi speaker of the house and champion of women's issues quick side note nancy pelosi sucks nancy pelosi sucks pen.com just throwing that out there I want you to know about it moving on the crime i'm going to warn you uh, you you cannot unsee what i'm about to show you i'm just saying you might want to take the blue pill on this one okay i've warned you take a deep breath you're you're here with me you've made this decision okay here it is yes nancy pelosi and her aging sweater puppies enjoying a nice stroll on the italian shore traumatizing adult and children alike as her demoralized staff followed quietly and appropriately three feet behind. So what did we get right about this horrific display of whatever that is? Well, you do remember the episode of Stu Does America, of course, from November 19th, 2020. Obviously, you do. You watch the catalog all the time. You've seen all of our episodes. Well, in that episode, we made fun of New Jersey Senator Cory Booker for flaming out of the 2020 presidential primaries faster than Nancy Pelosi in the first round of the bikini contest. And then, and then again, I must stress viewer discretion, we showed this lovingly made Photoshop and look at it. I... I was sorry then and I'm sorry now. But just, just know, forget your inner feelings right now. Think about the accuracy of this Photoshop. We didn't know what she looked like on a beach. We just made it up. Does this show provide you with facts? Ask yourself that question. Look at this side by side and you tell me. That is, I mean, that's incredible. I, I, honestly, if anything, our prediction was, you know, a little small. Maybe a good half to full cup size small i am going to call this prediction accurate however and say that we nailed it okay although talking about nailing things with nancy on screen let's just take her off screen we nailed that prediction and there's more to come oh yes i mean come on sometimes it's not even that hard like the time that we photoshopped gavin Newsom as patrick bateman from american psycho you're telling me that this guy is not going to wind up spreading a tarp around his apartment while Huey Lewis and the news are blasting. Come on, let's make sure we always know the location of Gavin Newsom's nail gun. Stew does America. Off that Nancy Pelosi segment, I don't know for sure if I was making a blue pill Matrix joke or a blue pill Viagra joke, but you're gonna have to solve that one on your own. BlazeTV.com slash stew is the place to go to subscribe to Blaze TV. Stew does is the place to go to get your 62422 merch, which is available now. And stew doespowerhour.com is a great place to go for our power hour, which is only two days away. And after watching pictures of Nancy Pelosi, I will say, beer sounds wonderful. Jeremy Dice, who is regretting this decision, is going to be coming up here in just a couple of minutes for what he deserves, a victory lap over the Supreme Court session that we just went through. Bette Midler learning about how you can never be woke enough. But we start by doing the gas price explosion. And there's a lot of effort in the media lately to tell you things are getting better. And look, good God, I hope they are. Okay, we've gone through a rough period here, tons of inflation. I hope that is in the middle of turning around. We've seen a slight turnaround in the gas prices. And you just got to be it's just a little weird to take a victory lap of your own when you're saying, well, the gas price is down 20 cents to four dollars and 80 cents. Wow, that sounds wonderful. Yeah, it was five oh two on June 14th. Now it's four dollars and 80 cents. It is down a little bit. The oil price is down a little bit. And the problem with that is it seems like the oil price is down only because of a predicted recession that's around the corner. We hope that's not true, of course, but it very well might be. And it's fascinating to watch. So many in the media with all of this stuff going on, they're talking about January 6th. They're talking about abortion. They're talking about uh, everything else that you can possibly uh, think of except for the inflation crisis. They're talking about climate change. Climate change is the big story. And it's interesting to see them push that narrative when we're in the middle of five dollars a gallon. Sorry, four dollars and 80 cents a gallon gasoline. People are looking at the gas price going crazy. It's burning families. Add on top of that inflation and all the costs associated with that. And we're looking at a really tough time for so many families. And yet the left and the the elites in the media are coming back to you and saying, hey, you know, this is the time to fix our uh, international temperatures. What if we turn the globe temperature down a little bit? Has anyone thought of that one yet? Paul Krugman always directly in touch with you and I the American people has a an opinion piece out another step toward climate apocalypse this of course is dealing with the EPA uh, versus West Virginia uh, decision that came down a couple weeks ago we we covered it in depth on a show i guess uh, last friday maybe um, and it, it going this is basically something about how the administrative state can't just make up all the rules on their own they can't just make up all the rules on their own. They can't just take a vague reference to air and turn it into a way to control the entire economy. That's just is a step too far. If you want to control the entire economy, you may have some constitutional concerns here and there. But the ver- at the very least, you need to write a law. You need to actually go through Congress and vote on it. You can't just blame the EPA for all the negative effects. So. This is sort of the situation that's going on. The left hates this idea because they've t- you've taken away all their tools. They've come through and decided a different way of, go- of doing business here in America, which is we just give all the power to the EPA and we let them do whatever we want them to do. We appoint all the people in there. We tell them just go out there, say the science is settled and force it down everybody's throat. Krugman, of course, is uh, out there talking about this. And he does not like the rulings from the Supreme Court. He says anyone who believes the recent series of blockbuster court rulings reflects any consistent legal theory is being willing, willfully naive. Clearly, the way this court interprets the law is almost entirely determined by what serves Republican interests. If states want to ban abortion, well, that's their prerogative. I've got news for you here, uh, Paul. If you were just basing this off of what Republicans wanted, they just would have made abortion illegal nationwide. That's not what they did. They took the power out of their hands. This is something that someone who works at The New York Times will never understand. They decided to take the power out of the hands of the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court stepped in when most of the states had passed laws banning abortion completely and said, now everyone must have it. Okay. then we went through another uh, what? Uh, 20 years. And then Casey uh, and that decision came down and they said, well, I know we screwed up with Roe, but let's give you a totally different uh, arbitrary line that we can now argue. And you still all have to have abortion in every single state, taking the power completely out of the state's hands to legislate or honestly, even the federal government's hands to legislate. And then this Supreme Court stepped up and said, you know what? That's not our job. Our job is not to dictate to everybody else and come up with these arbitrary lines for everyone else to follow. It should be in your hands. They didn't go as far as I'd want them to go, which is to say, hey, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. For any of those three things, you need to be alive. So we're going to come out and say maybe uh, you should be born if if there's a pregnancy that occurs. I would like it to be banned nationwide. They didn't go to my my happy place. They went to the in-between place. They went to the moderate place, where now we can have these arguments and base them on uh, your state. That's not the ultimate solution to me, but it is better than the case was before, unless you're Paul Krugman. He also went on about the uh, EPA situation, which is taking the power away from the EPA and a lot of these other federal agencies. It's not just about the EPA. This is going to be a pretty wide ranging decision, I believe. But Krugman writes, the question is, how did letting the planet burn become a key GOP tenant? It wasn't always thus. Could you be any more elitist? Ugh. The Environmental Protection Agency, one whose scope the court action just moved to limit, was created by none other than Richard Nixon, who was uh, progressive and, and very strongly pushed for centralized government power, also considered banning all handguns. This guy was not exactly the uh, the modern equivalent of a small government. Um, anyway, the, as late as 2008, John McCain, the Republican nominee for president, ran on a promise to impose cap and trade to limit greenhouse gas emissions. Now, of course, cap and trade, you might remember, is a very complicated uh, economic scheme to limit uh, the emissions from power plants and everything else. And then, uh, But if you go over those limits, you can buy credits from other companies who are under the limits. It was a very complicated system. Uh, John McCain wanted to implement it along with his close economic advisors. And I thought to myself, I wonder what Paul Krugman was saying about John McCain and his economic prowess back when he actually was running for president and could have implemented this scheme. Here's what he said. Then there's frightening Mr. McCain. More frightening now than he was a few weeks ago. We've known for a long time, of course, that Mr. McCain doesn't know much about economics. He's said so himself. Although he's denied having said it, that wouldn't matter too much if he had good taste in advisors, but he doesn't. I mean, these people have absolutely no credibility whatsoever. Now, you know climate is somewhat of a divisive issue. And if you wanted, if you wanted someone who was going to step in and try to move the climate needle into the way of hardcore left-wing philosophy, John McCain would have been a dream for you. If it really was the most important issue of your day, then John McCain would have been a dream for you. Why? Well, if you want to move something that's really controversial, a lot of times if you get someone from the opposite party, who agrees with you, that's when you get that movement. An example of this is criminal justice reform. It was something that Republicans fought against for a very long time. Donald Trump was very open to it. When they went to Donald Trump, people like Van Jones and Kim Kardashian went to Gen- Donald Trump and said, hey, can you move the needle on this? And he did, right? Donald Trump believed in it. It was basically a, a, a liberal tenant, and he went along with it. He, he It was something he supported, and they moved the ball pretty significantly on that. John McCain, could have moved the ball on climate because a lot of Republicans would have gone along with John McCain if he was president of the United States. Instead, people like Krugman were bashing him as having no knowledge about the economy. Another thing he wanted to do that would have really moved the ball on the climate was build, I think it was 500 nuclear plants in this country so that we wouldn't have to rely anymore on fossil fuels on the Middle East. There was a national security concern there and also a global warming concern there. And you know what happened? Everybody on the left, the environmentalists, opposed John McCain and said nuclear power is incredibly dangerous and evil and awful. Well, that is actually starting to turn now. The tide is starting to turn. They've seen enough here of the renewables. They've seen this isn't really working out quite yet. The technology's not there. This is going to take a lot longer than they thought. But the technology is there with nuclear power. It's power that is homegrown. Uh, We have it here, it's safe, it's effective. The new generations of nuclear power can be incredibly inexpensive when not constantly berated with all sorts of regulation all the time. You need some, of course, with uh, nuclear power, but uh, if you can open up new plants and generate more power, this could actually not only help our energy independence, it can also help the energy independent the energy independence needs, uh, if you will, going forward when we are supposed to all be on electric cars. I mean, forget the fact that they want to implement them. Uh, most of these companies are saying well, that's all we're going to build come 2030. It's all going to be new uh, electric cars. So with all that as the sort of foundation There are people now on the left changing their minds on nuclear power, driven by the difficulty of meeting clean energy goals and by surging electricity demands. A growing number of political leaders are taking a fresh look at nuclear power, both extending the life of existing reactors and building new ones. Even past skeptics, largely Democrats, have come around to the idea, notably in California, where the state's sole remaining nuclear plant, Diablo Canyon, is scheduled to close in 2025. The search for clean energy has given nuclear power a spark. That has drawn bipartisan support that added billions in funding for existing and new projects. Welcome to the fantastic party. You know, we've been saying this for a really long time and been ignored by the left and the media who said it was some weird fever dream. We just loved, I don't know, irradi- radiating people to death. Uh, so for whatever reason that has been blown off by the media for so long, now all of a sudden people are coming around. We're seeing this in Europe as well, where they're talking about making nuclear power more ESG friendly because the ESG investments have pushed all of the nuclear thought away. Now they want to change that so that people will start investing in nuclear power again. I just next time just listen to us from like 15 years ago. We're going to save a lot of time and a lot of effort if you just would have listened back then. Of course, we say this stuff all the time. And it really, the answer for the left so often is not solar panels. It's not wind power. It's not hydropower. It's not nuclear power. It's none of those things. There is only one solution to our climate troubles. And normally, this is the type of thing that is left unset. They'll allude to it. They'll say it here and there. But they never really admit it. I want to give you an example of someone. Who's saying the quiet part out loud? It's Bill Nye. Bill Nye says the main thing you can do about climate change isn't recycling, it's voting. What a surprise. He said, but if you want to do one thing about climate change, vote. And if you're a kid and you can't vote, make sure your parents vote. Hassle them. Well, nothing I need more than uh, more hassling from children. I think a lot of people will really appreciate that advice. Thanks a lot, Bill. And you know, there's nothing I'm going to do Um, at a slower pace than agree with your voting idea when you sick my kids on me. (laughs) Nobody likes that. Just so you're aware, nobody likes that. That being said, this is Of course, the implied uh, voting interest here is to vote for Democrats. They're the ones that want do what Bill Nye says needs to be done when it comes to the climate. And this is just yet another example of the circle of grift. Just vote for Democrats. Why would you vote for Democrats? Well, they're going to solve the climate crisis. Now they're elected. Is it solved? No, it's even worse than before. Now what? We need to do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. Why? Well, we got to solve the climate crisis. Well, is it solved? No, it's worse than before. Now what? We need to do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. Why? To solve the climate crisis. Is it solved? No, it's even worse than before. Now what? We got to do something. What do we do? Vote Democrat. And on and on and on and on. The circle of grift never ends. Look, the truth is the left has spent the last half century creating a completely new form of government. They build up the administrative state. They make it huge and powerful. They write laws in a vague way that assign decision-making power, not to the Congress when they're passing the laws, but to the administrative state. They'll all deal with it. And when the administrative state does overstep its bounds, which it always does, well, look, the Supreme Court will be there to say it's super-duper constitutional and bail them out. This way, you don't have to, like, take responsibility for your decisions that ruin the economy. The administrative state can do it for you, and no one gets to vote them out. This works really well until you lose control of the Supreme Court, which has happened now. And Paul Krugman and nobody, everybody on the left, they hate this. They don't like that their little scheme has been broken up. It's interesting how much the left says they love democracy. But when given the opportunity to utilize it, They want to blow up the entire system. The Supreme Court didn't make a new law on abortion, at least not in 2022. That happened back in 1973 with Roe v. Wade. They decided to force a solution on the country in lieu of a democratic norm and a legislative process and policy. And now the Supreme Court has returned the right of representative democracy in the states to take action and form laws. And the democracy-loving left hates it. With the EPA ruling, the same concept has occurred. Congress is supposed to make the laws that might regulate an economy if if they must. The Supreme Court took the power away from the administrative state and gave it back to representative democracy. They uh, They have a right here to do that. They have to say what they want when they pass a law. Yes, Congress, you need to actually say what you want done before you vote on it. They can't just depend on unelected bureaucrats to make all of their decisions for them. We see this with the EPA. We saw this with abortion. We definitely, definitely saw it with COVID. These agencies are not supposed to be the ones ruining your lives. That's the job of Congress. Lately, I have been listening to a lot of podcasts, probably too many, uh, but I've been having a great time. I love podcasts, and you should, too. In fact, sign up for Studios America right now. One reason it's been great to listen to is because I have Raycon wireless earbuds to do it. Raycons are awesome. And I will say, I've had other headphones before, some of the big uh, you know, brands that also make computers. And I will tell you this, they dangle below your ear. They fall out all the time there are kind of, they, pains, honestly, to deal with. And if you ever want to lay your head down on a pillow, maybe listen to a podcast as you're kind of drifting off at night, You can't do that with those earpods. You can do them with Raycons, though, because they fit flush to your ear. They look great. They feel great. They sound better than ever. They have awesome, awesome sound. I mean, they just it's really crystal clear. They give you eight hours of playtime and 32-hour battery life. And when you need to charge, of course, super easy. You can even do it wirelessly. And, of course, Raycons give you the same quality audio that other premium audio brands do, but at half the price. Kind of a big deal. No wonder Raycon's everyday earbuds have over 49,000 five-star reviews. Check out Raycon's wireless earbuds. My guess is you're going to want to leave a five-star review of your own when you get them. Buyraycon.com slash stew, B-U-Y-R-A-Y-C-O-N ncom slash stew. Go there today, get 15% off your Raycon order. It's buyraycon.com slash stew. Score 15% off right now, buyraycon.com slash stew. Joining me now in studio is Jeremy Dice. He's the special counsel for First Liberty Institute. Jeremy, how's it going? It's going well. Thank you. Have you had anything going on in your life recently? Anything work-related? We've wanna... only
1: been you know, <laughs> working at uh, two different cases of the Supreme Court of the United States and one them both. So it's been a pretty good uh, June, early
0: July. Yeah. I, I want to get into those two that you were directly involved in here in a second. But let me start with maybe the biggest news of the entire session, the Roe versus Wade being overturned. Casey going down as well in the Dobbs uh, decision. Give me your your opinion, because, I mean, you're looking to look at this differently than I am. I you know, I have a I have my opinions on abortion and how this was wrongly decided. But I mean, you're in the middle of this. You've looked at this for a very long time. I mean, this is kind of classic, terrible decision making by a previous Supreme Court finally righted here.
1: Yeah, and I think this will tie in with what we'll talk about with our cases at SCOTUS as well. But it's just that there's been so many years that we've been under that decision, right? Roe v. Wade was 1973. And so there's entire generations that have come that have known nothing but that decision. Mm. And now that it's gone, there's almost this, uh, you know, that scene from A Bug's Life where that leaf drops in the middle of the pile of ants and they don't know which way to go anymore. That's sort of what we're experiencing culturally right now, going. A lot of people are saying, I don't know what to do with this. Right. And all that it did. And this is the beauty of it. All it did. It corrected that wrongfully decided case and and allowed the states to just just, we just pressed reset. So we're back back to 1972. Now, we don't have, you know, bell bottoms, go go boots anymore (laughs) right now. But we're talking about policy issues and allowing the states to make this decision rather than that legislation to come from nine robe justices in Washington, D.C. Now we can have that robust debate throughout the rest of the country that we've been trying to have for, you know, 50 years now, uh, and that's that, that can only be a good thing for our freedom. Yeah, one of the strange reactions
0: to this from the media and people freaking out is, I don't want the Supreme Court to make decisions for me. It's like, guys... I think you do, because that's what you've been (laughs) arguing for. That's what Roe versus Wade was. It was the Supreme Court making decisions for everybody. Now it's to the point where you can make the decision for yourself in the state. And I don't think that's a perfect solution. That's not the end game for me, as far as my opinion goes. But it's certainly we're in a much better place. At least now we can make an argument. Right, it's one of those rare uh, protests where
1: we can go. I agree with you. I don't want the Supreme Court <laughs> <laughs> to be making those decisions either. Yeah. That's why they didn't. They yeah. said, okay, we're going to undo the fifty years of bad law here and go back to how it was before to make the make that decision at the local level possible. See, that's what freedom—where freedom works best—is when we, we govern small, meaning that the smallest form of government itself is the one that works the most, the best, or the freest. Uh, and that would mean like mom and dad. First of all, if we can make all the decisions at mom and dad's table, then then that really doesn't need to go any further beyond that. We're going to have the Actual amount of freedom from that. But we understand we need to have more than that. So we have city council, we've got county commissions, we've got state legislatures and federal government and all that. But the higher you go up that ladder, the more restrictive things become and the less your freedom is is respected. And that's all that had occurred with Roe v. Wade is, is that it, that had been eroded over time. And now the Supreme Court has kind of pushed that aside and said, you know what? Y'all go to make that decision on your own. Go have the debates, go have the protests. But you guys make that decision. So what the left can do right now is go into Austin or to Charleston, West Virginia or to Tallahassee or Sacramento, wherever they got to go and make the case to the people in the legislature that these laws should change or should be adjusted or whatever it might be. If you wanna have abortion at all points of your entire pregnancy, then you can do that. Mm. But you gotta convince the people that that's the right thing to do. And that's where I think lies the problem is that most Americans simply don't want that kind of radical left agenda that the left seems to be pushing for.
0: Yeah, I think that's really... I mean, look, the bottom line is the left likes to use the Supreme Court when it works for them, and that's what they see. They see what, constitutional equals what I want, <laughs> essentially, from a lot of these people. Um, and I think, like, you know, you look at. we always summarize it as if Roe's been in effect for 50 years, but really it wasn't. I mean, Casey basically overruled Roe, yeah. both attempted to put in this problem-solving sort of standard, which is what legislatures are supposed to do. Yeah, and right?
1: to cut short that... debate that's so essential in the legislative process and the political process and and it removed that debate from the people and as a result of that you know if you've ever been in an argument with people and you just haven't had felt like you've been heard from the other side yeah well you're left with that same sort of sour taste in your mouth because you haven't been able to hash out the policy decisions that need to be made and all that in uh, having
0: nine people decide what's right for 330 million Americans, this just is a bad plan. Mm. Let's go move over to a couple of the cases you guys were specifically involved in. The main, Let's start with the main case. This is one about schooling. And, I, you know, I think it's really interesting here because we've gone through a couple of years where people have really reconsidered what they're doing with their kids' education, rethought it. Maybe we should go a different direction. This Maine uh, law is pretty interesting, and in that's relatively unique in the country. Can you kind of walk people through it? Yeah, so Maine is a rural state, and
1: they don't. it doesn't make physical sense to build a high school in every single one of the towns in, in Maine just because that, that would just be not a smart move. And so they decided long ago that they would just simply give money back to the parents, let them send them to whatever school they wanted to so they can send them to any private school, any public school in the country or in the state and some even outside of the state, they can they can use those dollars mm. for. Uh, but then the state of Maine said, well, you can do that, but you can't send it to a religious school. Well, they can't send it to a religious school if they actually believe what their <laughs> right. religion teaches. And so they, they prevented parents from sending their kids to a Christian school or other Jewish or, or religious schools that are around the, the, the state of Maine or maybe outside of the state of Maine as well. Uh, And so this went up to the Supreme Court of the United States. The Supreme Court said, you know, we've been pretty clear on this. You know, we talked to you about this in Espinosa. We talked to you about this last term in Our Lady of Guadalupe. uh, And now we're going to be more clear again. You can't do that if... If uh, you make a public benefit available to secular organizations, uh, a, a private, uh, the school that it was in competition where I grew up was called Canterbury School. It was a private school. It was not religious. It was just a private school. So if you're going to give money to Canterbury, if, there, if, if Canterbury can compete, then you also have to provide uh, evangelical Christian school to be able to compete for the same funds. And to say that Canterbury can get the money, but ECS can't. Well, you got a real problem with that. Uh, and the Supreme Court said that's actually discrimination. You, you can't do that. You have to allow religious organizations to compete equally for those public benefits, just like every other secular organization can as well.
0: Well, first of all, I would love this law now after this ruling. I mean, I think this is I wish every state would pass this. They should just give this as an should. option to everybody to yeah. be able to choose if they can send their funds to a, to a private school. I think that would be fantastic. But also, Just uh, totally separate would save me a lot of money. Um, Okay, so but so is it going to go to the point where they're going to try to take the rule out completely or are they going to just adopt this new standard and allow the funding? Well, the
1: state of Maine has actually come back now and started to fight this as well. They've Mm -hmm. said, well, sure, sure, we'll give it to the Christian schools. But they also have to agree to our non-discrimination laws in the state of Maine, which feature heavily on things that many religious schools just simply can't confirm. Mm. LGBTQ plus issues come to mind and things like that. So the state of Maine's attorney general came out almost immediately after the decision and said, oh yeah, we're gonna comply with this, and now you also have to sign the dotted line that you agree with these statements as well, which frankly misses the entire point of what the Supreme Court had (laughs) just been putting out there. And so if we've got to take the state of Maine back to the Supreme Court of the United States, I suppose we can do that. But maybe maybe we should just allow uh, this thing to go forward and allow Mm. parents to have the choice. Look, this affects not just people in the state of Maine, but there are many residents of Maine that are serving in the United States military around the Mm. world right now. Well, under this this law, they could actually take those dollars and send them to whatever school they might be. Maybe they're stationed in uh, in the middle of Nebraska. Well, they can send it to a Christian school there in Nebraska or maybe they're stationed outside of uh, Washington uh, state in, in, in Seattle area they can send their kids to a local christian school or catholic parochial school there i think i, I hear what you're
0: saying you're saying i need to establish residency in maine that must that's be it that's what you're saying I, I, No, you didn't have to say it i, I heard you loud and clear um so <laughs> is it is it one of these things where um will the lower courts let's say they try this which obviously is against the, the ruling of the supreme court if they try this will the lower court's immediately recognize, okay, the Supreme Court's ruled on this, no, you guys can't do that, or will it have to go through this whole process once again? I
1: really hope that they will understand what the outcome is going to be, and ideally they will. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll just give the law school answer, it Just, it's gonna depend on so many different yeah. factors that it's hard to, to foresee right now. But given the nature of the First Circuit where this would come out of, uh, I'm a little concerned that we're actually gonna have to go back to talk to the justices once more to get this uh, squared away once and for all. And I hope
0: it is really once and for all. Okay, let me move over to the Coach Kennedy case. Uh, This is a big one, you came in here with Coach Kennedy, we talked to him about this case. You know, it was interesting to talk to him after reading about the case where he was a, a former high school football coach, decided to pray. Uh, in the middle of the uh, 50-yard line, in the middle of the field, not trying to grab everybody and pull everybody in and say, you don't play quarterback if you don't pray. None of that happened. They couldn't find, one, if I remember right, couldn't find one person to say that any of this, yep. this bad stuff supposedly happened. But they brought it went all the way to the Supreme Court and the Supreme Court ruled correctly on this. And I think it was interesting talking to him. He didn't come off as this as this guy that you'd expect. Right. He wasn't this guy who's this hardcore religious zealot and trying to go out in the middle. of. I mean, he just seemed like a totally normal guy and was just like, I want to do something simple to to try to show my faith. And they won't even let me do that and keep my job.
1: Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, You know, he's just the average Joe. And I know that's kind of a tongue in cheek thing to say and maybe too much of a dad joke, but it's true. I mean, he's just the average guy. He, 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 I mean, his lawsuit didn't even seek money. Look, he was paid like seven cents an hour to coach the football games anyway. So it wasn't a loss of, of dollars he was after. He was after the principal. He spent 20 years in the United States military, most of it in the Marine Corps, fighting for our freedoms. And when he went to go exercise his, the school district decided, no, you can't have those anymore. Uh, And and so, yeah, he was just simply trying to pray by himself. And and it seems like the world just can't grasp that thing, just like they can't grasp the fact that this didn't start from a complaint. It started from a compliment. There was other schools that said this is a really cool thing that he's doing. And the superintendent took it upon himself to do this massive investigation, which resulted in him saying, look, if you're praying with the kids, you can't do that. And what did the coach say? Okay, fine. I won't pray with the kids. That's fine. I just want to do the thing by myself. That's the commitment I made to God. That's all I want to do is just 15 to 30 seconds by myself. And that wasn't enough. They had to continue to press that issue over and over again to the point where there was nothing left to do. But to to, while they had to suspend him. And when they did, don't forget, they said that there was no evidence in their investigation. There was no evidence that coach had engaged in any coercion at any time for any student. And so this idea that there was somehow coercion there is just a simple mistake by the other side that has been turned into the actual facts of the case
0: when reality says something far, far different. So what happens with him now? Because, I mean, he, as you point out, it, it wasn't about money. Yes, he's proved an important principle and, and set a precedent for everyone else. So now every, I think that probably was his most important aim, maybe, to just say to everyone else, hey, you can do these things if you want to. But, like, he's still a person and he still exists and he's still a real guy and trying to figure out his life. He's no longer the coach's team hasn't been for a very long time. What happens next? Well, the good news is the case is over, right? There's right. nothing left to be
1: done. Uh, the Supreme Court did not remand this case, they reversed it. So everything below it is flipped around. Mm -hmm. Uh, He wins. They said enter summary judgment for coach. So if you enter summary judgment, that means that he gets what he asked for in his prayer for relief. What did he ask for? He only asked for two things. He asked for his job back and the ability to pray at the 50-yard line after the games he coaches. So we know he can do the second thing. And now it's just a matter of us sitting by the phone, waiting for the school district to make a (laughs) phone call, saying, hey, we've cleaned the locker out. Come on back. And he'll be there the next day they ask him to be there.
0: Well, Obviously, what year was this? This was 2015 when he was fired. Okay, so we're seven years from this uh, uh, incident. They've probably had multiple coaching staffs in there <laughs> since then. Like uh, it, it, what what are they going to do here? Do you have any concept that they ha- they haven't
1: reached out to you at this point? I already? don't know what they can do, really. Mm-hmm. I mean, the Supreme Court was not equivocal on this at all. It was very clear uh, he's entitled to, to his relief. Him. You have to rehire him. Now, we can work out when that needs to be. Does that need to be this fall, next spring? Uh, the reality is that in, in the state of Washington, you can hire as many coaches as you want to hire to coach mm-hmm. your football team. There's no limit on that. So yeah. that's not a problem. We all recognize the awkwardness that is, uh, you know, <laughs> I, I sued you and now I'm back. You know, so we, we, we'll figure that out. Mm-hmm. But in the process of that, we're also talking about we, we, there's no money in terms of what damages he got and loss of pay, that sort of thing. But, you know, when we win, we're also entitled to our attorney's fees. And sure. that's a, a matter matter of negotiation we've got to figure out as well we haven't quite hit about eight figures yet but we may be there pretty close (laughs) to that and so that may be a motivating factor for the 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 school district to to try to you know find a way and if if it can't be coach on the sidelines physically standing there and taking the knee in the middle of the field after the game on the field well then maybe we can just put his name on the field and call it square or, or maybe put an image of him kneeling on the field you know, Coach Kennedy Field at Bremerton High School Stadium. Uh, that sounds great to me, too. It does. I, I feel like you've done some brainstorming on this one already. Well, maybe so. Look, it just I, I think it'd be fantastic. You know, First Liberty uh,
0: Stadium at Co- Coach Kennedy Field. Uh, that sounds great to me. That does sound. That's got a nice ring to it. I, I mean, it's, it's important, I think, you know, because it, I think these things a lot of times get lost in the process of, of court cases and everything else. It's really important that we stand up when these things go on. And I know you guys have been doing this for a long time, but you need someone to push back. We talked about this with the COVID stuff as well. You know, you're trying to shut down a church from having a, a service. You have to have somebody who's going to take that all the way to the court and be able to, you know, push back on this so that the precedent is set that next time mm-hmm. these things don't happen to us again. And I think, you know, a lot of progress has been made in this court. And I know you guys have been a big part of that. Yeah. And look, we're going
1: to keep on moving on that. And we want the relief for coach. But here's the end of the day. There was a terrible case that went away because of Coach Kennedy's willingness to stand up for our freedom. That case is no longer good law. Students in the future are well protected because of that. Public displays of religion, whether that's on a monument or a plaque in the park or something like that, those are protected because of Coach Kennedy's case. Teachers, coaches around the country, they are now protected. The Supreme Court reminded everybody that you, in school districts in particular, you have to respect the free exercise of religion here. It, school districts have, for years, had this sort of allergy to religion, and anytime it appeared on mm-hmm. campus, they, they broke out the Lysol wipes and started wiping everything down right. to make sure that it didn't spread and infect everybody else, and the Supreme Court said, put the Lysol away. That's not what you're supposed to do. The Establishment Clause was meant to prevent an institution from being impacted, mm-hmm. not individuals. And what the state of Washington did was rain fury down on a single individual. Well, that individual is supposed to be protected by the Free Exercise Clause. And the Supreme Court said, you should have protected him with a Free Exercise Clause. And now you need to go do that. And by the way, school districts, you should be the ones leading the charge on this whole thing. You should be welcoming teachers in their private acts of religious display, whether that's a 15-second prayer on the 50-yard line, uh, the sign of the cross on your forehead after Ash Wednesday, a yarmulke, a hijab, whatever those things might be, teachers don't have to shed their constitutional rights when they walk through the schoolhouse gates anymore. You ought to be instructing your students rather than creating this kind of fear of coercion thing that they talked about. Instead, you ought to be teaching them how to live in a pluralistic society that they're going to face on the outside of those walls when they leave that campus someday. Hmm. And the clear message by the Supreme Court was, if you can't teach that
0: lesson, then what lesson can you teach at schools these days? That's hmm. yeah, a very, very important lesson. Uh, Jeremy Dice, special counsel for the first- First Liberty Institute. It's nice to win some, huh? Absolutely. I, I, I feel like, you know, back I'm not in the sick day. Of it yet. We, you're not sick of it? No. Not sick of the winning. No. Not tired of the Two winning. Two
1: wins of the Supreme Court in less than a week. I'll take it every day.
0: Uh, all right, there you go. Jeremy Dice from First Liberty Institute, thanks so much for coming on the program. Thanks for having me. And this is just the perfect pairing here as we are going to talk to you right now about First Liberty Institute. First Liberty Institute has, uh, is, is a fantastic organization, as I just told you. I don't need to even tell you anything more than this, but let me tell you this one important detail. Immediately after the rulings we just discussed, Elizabeth Warren was on television telling you they wanted to pack the court because people like Elizabeth Warren use the Supreme Court for their own ends. They don't care about the process. They don't care about the, these institutions. They want to do something to change the court when they don't get the results that they want. And if we don't stop them from installing what they want to do, four, six more justices so they can rig the system in their favor, it's going to be catastrophic to our court, to our country, to our way of life. We've seen how important these rulings are. I don't need to sell you on that. And I don't need to sell you on First Liberty Institute either. You've seen the work that they've done. We've been talking about it for months and months and months. Uh, they're g- right now gathering a coalition of a million patriots to say no to court packing, no to the liberal agenda, no to the Supreme Court coup. Go there, check it out now, SupremeCoup.com, C-O-U-P, SupremeCoup.com. Sign First uh, Liberty's letter. They've been doing fantastic work for a long time and certainly have proved their worth over the past few weeks and months and years. First Liberty Institute, it's at uh, SupremeCoup.com, SupremeCoup.com. We are only two days away from the 500th anniversary Power Hour. Well, 500th episode. We haven't actually been on for 500 years yet, but we now have done over 500 episodes. We announced this Power Hour uh, on our 500th episode, and here we are about to actually have it come all the way to fruition. It happens on July 8th, right after this normal show. So you can come to the normal place you come to see this show. Uh, or, uh, and then after that, go to uh, studospowerhour.com. Or you can go there right now, actually. Go there right now, studospowerhour.com. Like and share it so everyone gets to know that it's coming up here on Friday. We have a great panel together. Uh, it's going to be Sarah Gonzalez, my wife Lisa Page here uh, for a little uh, female influence uh, over the guys. And you got Chad Prather, You got Andrew Heaton. You got Alex Stein. I mean, this is going to be a blast. Now, if you don't know what a power hour is, basically, one shot of beer per minute for an hour as we attempt to talk politics and do idiotic things and remain coherent. It's a great way to kick off your weekend. I I encourage you, for very unhealthy reasons, to do this at home along with us. uh, There's also going to be a live audience. This is the first one we've ever done with a real live audience. So, God only knows what's going to happen on this, but you should be there checking it out. Stu does Go there right now. Stuw doespowerhour.com. So new report in The Wall Street Journal today saying, uh, it looks like the red states have won the post-COVID recovery. No way! You are kidding me, I would have never guessed by the way the red states and the blue states acted. So many people have moved from places like California and New York and Illinois to come to Texas and uh, North Carolina and Florida. And they've done this uh, because they wanted, they're chasing a better life. And that's what we're all doing kind of all the time. If you're buying a home, if you're selling a home, that's probably part of what you're doing. And you need to have a great real estate agent on your side to make sure you know you are doing this transaction in the best way possible. Realestateagentsitrust.com is the place to go to find that person. Do it now. Realestateagentsitrust.com. Give them a little bit of information and they'll help you through the whole process. It's realestateagentsitrust.com. Bette Midler is learning you're never woke enough. Never, never, never. Bette Midler, who tweets constantly crazy left wing causes, basically all she does on Twitter. And she tweeted uh, this not understanding the new rules. She said, "Women of the world, we are being stripped of our rights over our bodies, our lives and even our name. They don't call us women anymore. They call us birthing people or menstruators or even people with vaginas. Don't let them erase you. Every human on earth owes you." Now, this is a problem because she is old enough, I guess, to not understand the new speak. The new speak it's not that conservatives are saying, we want to call them menstruators. That's not that's not how this is working. It's her dumb side of the aisle that wants to change the word woman. She just hasn't followed this closely enough. And if you read any of her tweets, you realize she doesn't follow most of the stuff she tweets about very closely. Um, now... Uh, everyone on the left was very pissed off. One, one woman wrote, uh, the term pregnant people includes pregnant women and also people who are pregnant but are not women. It doesn't include in any way erase or deny women. It's just more inclusive. I am a woman. I have friends who are not women but can get pregnant. No, you don't. The language that includes them doesn't hurt me. You don't have those friends because those friends aren't, those, those friends aren't, they're, they're, they, don't, they don't exist. Uh, also, uh, then Bette Midler came back and said, people of the world, my tweet about women was a response to this fascinating and well-written piece in the New York Times. It was no intention of anything exclusionary or transphobic of what I said. It wasn't about that. It was the same old stuff, woman. All women have been putting up since the cavemen. Even then, men got top billing. She Look, she's insane and a moron. So, I mean, that's the summary of the story, but that was the full Story I just gave you there. By the way, Dave Rubin, our own Dave Rubin from Blaze TV, uh, followed in the footsteps of Jordan Peterson. They went on tour together and now they've been suspended off Twitter together. Uh, Jordan Peterson uh, tweeted about Elliot Page, who used to be known as Ellen Page. And Ellen Page, uh, who's, I think, actually a really good actress, and, uh, I, you know, poor, I feel bad for Ellen Page. Ellen Page has been paying penance for her terrible, horrible sin that she made long ago when she starred in Juno. And I'm sorry, Ellen, you made a movie that was pro-life and people really liked it and it probably changed some minds and now Roe vs. Wade doesn't exist anymore. I'm sorry all that happened to you, but you don't need to go this far to pay penance for it. Dave uh, Jordan Peterson said, "I will not delete the tweet. It was about Elliot Page." Uh, Dave Rubin decided to delete the tweet and came out with a really funny response. Check it out on his Twitter account. But he's back. He's back, and everything in the world is okay again. Six twenty-four twenty-two. The day Roe vs. Wade died, and sadly for them but not so sad for us we are commemorating it with mugs and t-shirts and everything else you can get it at stewdoesmerch.com the code is stew10 to save 10 percent uh, check that out now and go right now to Uh make sure to share and like it uh, spread the word on this it's gonna be a really fun way to kick off a summer weekend this is on friday don't you miss it